0: Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of ACHAM at Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Igg about this week's Torah portion of Matot Ma'aseh, the power of a Ju ps system.
1: So when you were growing up, did you take car trips?
0: Oh yeah, uh, almost every year we would make this schlep from New York down to Florida to visit the grandparents. Uh, three boys packed in the back seat of the car, um, Sounds like
1: uh, heaven on earth.
0: It was it was pretty rough. We'd stop like to get gas, and my dad would would buy one can of soda for the three of us to share. <laughs> and first, it was, it was hard just to get us to agree on what you know whether to get Coke or Pepsi or Orange or Grape. But then having to share it between the three of us was brutal. But uh, I don't have fond memories of those trips. Well, maybe in retrospect, they were okay. They were bonding, I guess. That's the best you can say.
1: Right. It was an endurance contest. And, and who had to sleep on the floor? Remember the hump and all that? and Trying to rest in the car? It was just... Uh, yeah, we we, we we drove to California. My father had purchased a new car and uh, didn't have air conditioning. So Ooh. that was just a... Yeah. And then, of course, you know, there were the maps, right? You know, just remember the, spreading out those maps. Where are we going? And God, you know, today at least you have GPS. You can just plug it in, and you know, it's, you just follow the blue line wherever you're going.
0: Yeah, getting lost was did, did not help on those trips. You know, it's it's tough enough being um, on the long car trip, but you don't want to get lost.
1: No, you don't. You know, here in our toll reading, you you don't have GPS, but you have GPS, which is Ooh. I know. Thank you. you. you you're saving uh, that for me. I I did, yeah. I appreciate. I By the way, I appreciate the response. (laughs) Um, I'll be here all week. But in the Jupia system, you have not where you're going, but where you've been. And what's interesting is that as we come to the end of the book of Numbers, and remember, the people are the 38 years have passed. Moses is getting ready to leave this world, and so right at that moment the torah or god actually recounts each place that they went to and the question is why why would you want to kind of say we well you stopped here and then we went there and then and that's the question of the portion i think it's one for us to consider what do we do with our personal stories how do we retell them what do we do with our past
0: oh huh, well, you know it's funny when you Talk about the old days in the cars without air conditioning. Um, I can remember vividly, like after some of these trips that that my family took, my parents would invite the neighbors over for a slideshow in the basement of our house. They'd turn on the slide projector, which always jammed and often, yeah. you know, lit on, you know, produce smoke, if not fire. And they would make the neighbors watch like the slideshow from our trip, which I guess is the equivalent now of posting your vacation pictures on, on Facebook. Um, it was a way of you know memorializing where you've been. That's why we that's why we kept scrapbooks and took pictures of all these things, and why we still do, I guess.
1: Had those carousels? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Those, yeah. those click, click noise when each, each one went down and up. And, right. Know, that's they a were, memory.
0: Yeah, they were always upside down or, or
1: inverted. But enough of with... <laughs> <laughs> All those special memories, but yeah. so the rabbis ask this question, and they say, "Well, why does God, why is God so intent on pointing out every place that they had been?" And the midrash says that it's like the case of a king, whose son was ill. He took him to a certain place to cure him. On their return journey, his father began to recount all the stages. Here we slept. Here we cooled ourselves. Here you had a headache. So God said to Moses, "Tell them all the places where they provoked me." So it's interesting that you know there, there's no looking through looking at the past through rose-colored glasses. In other words, God doesn't take the slide out of where the kids were fighting, or someone spilt the milkshake all over one of the others, or whatever. Whatever those negative or those, you know, tense memories are, they're all there. And what we learn is is that we can learn from the past. And we have to embrace not only the good, but the more challenging. And I wonder about that. I wonder if that's what we do today.
0: Well we all certainly uh um you know, pull out, withdraw, uh, fail to post on Instagram, the, the pictures that make us look less wonderful. You know, we don't post updates on all the fights we've had with our teenage children or with our arguments we've had with our spouses. There's it's human nature. But if you wanted to tell the honest history of, of where you've been, you would talk about the, the challenges that you've been through. And that's something I do, you know, as a biographer, I realize that I can't leave out the bad parts. Uh, if you don't see the struggle you're not really seeing the the true story at all
1: and yet there's always that why don't you mention that why can't we just remember the good times and i would think that as a biographer that's a question for you why do we need to kind of investigate the negatives of uh, muhammad ali why can't we just venerate him why do we have to go look behind the door here to see what's there and I think it's an interesting question about what we want, what we want to remember, as to what we need to remember.
0: Yeah, and we all have a tendency to remember things in certain ways. We tell the stories the way that help us frame our identities, and often that means, you know, leaving out the bad parts. When we tell the, our children about how we met our spouses, how we, uh, you know, how a couple came together. Um, we tend to leave out the fact that there might have been other uh, people we were dating at the time with the, of the meeting, or that you know we didn 't uh, go straight from dating to marriage right we We tell the parts of the stories that we want to tell, and um sometimes for my purposes in writing these books um, i 'll have fans say to me, "Why did you have to hate on this person so much? Why did you have to dwell so much on the on this character 's flaws and my argument is that I have a duty here to 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 be as honest as I can, and to to gain the trust of my reader. Uh, As a storyteller, I'm not going to be trusted if I leave things out, or if I overly romanticize my character's life. Uh, So there's there's a fine line there. And ultimately, it's a subjective choice. But I think that if you want to understand where you're coming from, you have to be honest about it. And you have to remember even the boring parts.
1: It's interesting because God then, in this midrash, God says, and remember the times that you provoked me. And I think that 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 points to an educational point part of history. If you can remember the, the moments when the people did something that provoked a negative result, then maybe we can learn from our past. Maybe we can see the world differently. In other words, how can telling not only the positives but the negatives serve as an instructional moment for us? And I'm not sure we really are all that involved in the educational part of history. I think there is this sensationalist way that we tell stories today that's probably not just today but what are the seamier moments what's the big reveal here as opposed to looking at a person's life in context or looking at a people in context we tend to kind of kind of just focus on the negatives so often i wonder if there's a different way of looking at it and saying we're all human no one's a saint no one is completely good or completely bad but what can we do to learn from that person's example? What can we do to learn from their lives is an important, I think, an important issue.
0: Yeah, what I always say on that subject is that, you know, we can't ask people to step up and be heroes and and to emulate the heroes of history if we treat them as if they were all saints. You mentioned Muhammad Ali earlier. The thing that he's probably most respected for was his religious beliefs, that he refused to fight in Vietnam because his religion forbid it and he was willing to go to jail for that belief and willing to give up his career, the millions of dollars he was making every year in boxing. But the fact is that he came to that decision gradually. He made some mistakes along the way. He didn't express his religious beliefs in a way that was clear. And that contributed in part to the public's misperception of, so it wasn't perfect. He did not always get it right the first time. That's really great, actually, that readers come to understand that because you can't ask people to take risks if you expect them to be perfect. You can't ask them to step into leadership roles if every move they make has to be exactly right. We have to leave room for human error if we want people to take chances and to try to follow in the footsteps of these heroes.
1: So in a sense, it's not just about telling the story and not just pointing out the negative. It's the responsibility of the reader to be a critical reader, to be a thoughtful reader, and to kind of Taking the information on balance, not just focus on one, one story or another, but to really see the context. And I guess that's the question today. Are we critical readers? Because when we're not, I think we have a tendency to kind of just read people either in, the, you know, kind of a glorious light that will only be uh, destroyed later on or a very negative light that we can never quite get out of.
0: Yeah, that's right. We have to learn to embrace complexity, which is one of the great things about reading the Torah. There's, there's no end of complexity and, and room for interpretation. And it's frankly, it's, it's in that interpretation, it's in that process that we actually engage with the stories. Otherwise, we're just sitting there slack-jawed like at a movie and just like letting it flow over us, and we're not actually doing any thinking.
1: Right. You know, it's like going into someone's house. I don't know. When I was growing up, this was more common. But there would be a big photo album somewhere sitting out it could be a bar mitzvah or a wedding or some photo album that was like on the coffee table and do you remember that yeah sure and 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 basically that's the view of this family that's our public facing view everybody's dressed nicely everyone's smiling right everybody's hair is in place nobody you know and has a spot on their tie none of that stuff right we all know there's another photo album somewhere in the closet, imaginary photo album with all the other pictures, right? When things weren't so rosy. And that ability to understand that life is messy and that our lives are messy. There are moments that we regret and moments that we want to celebrate and at the same time when we look at each other we're looking at imperfect beings and not to sit in judgment but to understand them differently and to learn from each other that's a remarkable statement and i think the portion does that really beautifully you know this idea of looking back and not just to point to the positive moments because our lives are journeys. And sometimes our lives are really messy, and sometimes they are just remarkable in the things that we accomplish. And I think it's a good lesson for us to think about, even even biographers like you, how do we present things and even ask questions along the way, or, or to kind of build the seeds in for a deeper conversation.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, you started out by talking about uh, GPS, and uh, I think it's useful to remember that, like GPS. If I understand the technology correctly, it's really guiding us based on where we've been. It tracks us. The satellite signals bounce around because they see where we've been, and that's how we figure out where we want to go next.
1: Right. I think it was Mark Twain that that said something like, history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. And so, in a sense, our lives rhyme. It's like where we bounce from place to place. That's right. Well, I wish you a good journey today. Thanks, Rabbi. You too.